Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Thank you very, very much for listening. The date today is the 13th of February, year of our Lord, 2020. Today, I am joined by my brother, a co-host of the Brain Trust Podcast. You can listen to that anywhere podcasts are available, right? It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. It is not on Spotify. It is on iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, though. Okay, it is on both of those, so you can go listen to those, and you can rate it five stars, do all that. Um, which is actually the exciting thing. When this finally got put onto Apple Podcasts, I realized that people could rate it and leave reviews and stuff like that. Um, and I'm waiting for the first like one star review to completely derail uh, the ratings. Today, the plan is to go through our uh, NBA award predictions for the award show that's going to be happening in June, which hopefully this year they don't do it as well. I don't actually, I guess at this point they would have scheduled it differently. I wish that they wouldn't do it at the end of June when nobody really cares anymore. But I also don't love when it happens, like, during the playoffs. Why? That's awesome. Then they can do the speech in front of the crowd. Nah. I mean, unless you're, like, you know, winning rookie of the year and you're not in the playoffs. But otherwise, like, the MVP. Like, that's fun. I love it. It was cool. Yeah, I do remember when um, it was, Steph won. And I believe it was when he went back-to-back and he got to wear his MVP Curry's. I think it was the Curry 2s. I could be totally wrong about that. But uh, I think- that sounds right. One uh, MVP, Morris Curry twos. I wore him like all through the playoffs, and that was pretty exciting. So I guess I kind of take back what I said. I really don't have a preference, but we'll see how it goes. So uh, we're going to jump right into this. Matthew, who is your – well, actually, I forgot. We should preface this with Matthew is like borderline – he cares about the NBA, but he's also been super casual recently. So this is sort of like a uh, – I'm curious to see the perspective of a quote-unquote casual fan. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm very honest about that. I'm open about it. I don't try to act like, oh, I love sports, so I have to know everything. If I don't know something, I'm more than happy to actually ask about it. So um, when I give my answers, when I, when I share my thoughts about um, the NBA specifically, um, I am very much coming from a, a casual perspective. And when I say something, it's either statistic-based or maybe I watch one game or something, but I, I don't try to take it as I said it, so it's fact. So so without further ado, uh, Matthew, who is your most improved player of the year? So most improved, I wrote down a couple of people here. Um, I have Devontae Graham. I have Fred Van Vliet. I have Bam Adebayo. And I have Demonis Sabonis. I have a question mark by Demonis Sabonis because I know that with how strong he came on last year and not winning the award, I feel like he might have missed his opportunity to win the award because I don't know that he's taken that next season to maybe deserve it again um i know he's having a solid year bam at i know pistons fans are upset that um he got the all-star nod over andre drummond um but at has been having a, a very solid year and winning definitely helps um Fred weed i have on there because i know that he came came on strong um in the finals last year and then he's having another solid year this year Devonte graham it, again going back to the casual thing I remember in the beginning of the season, he was on a pretty solid tear. Um, and the Hornets, although they're not having an incredible year, they're definitely a little bit better than I think a lot of people expected. So 
I don't know that he's still doing the same things right now that he was doing in the beginning of the year, but those are those are my four people that I have as candidates for the most improved player. So all of literally all of those players are exactly why I've been saying for months that the most improved player of the year race is a lot more compelling than the MVP race because a lot of these awards are foregone conclusions. I think actually this one is as well, but there's a lot more interest in it. There's a lot more like, well, you know what? There's more cases to be made about more players than there is for any other award. Um, with Sabonis, he earned every single penny that he got for the uh, from that extension that he got with the Pacers. Had they not paid him, who knows where the Pacers would be right now. And that's why some people think even Nate McMillan could be the coach of the year. I don't think that's going to be the case, but it could happen. Sabonis, like all of his point totals, I'm, all of his uh, like stat totals are up this season, except like field goal percentage. But it's just because his volume is up because he has a more featured role uh, in the offense. Like last year, he's a sixth man. And this year, he's like, either you trade me or you pay me and you start me. Um, and clearly that's worked. Like a pick and roll with Malcolm Brogdon and Damana Sabonis is the most like that's a bucket. If you need two points, that is the, that is the most effective way in basketball to get two points. Devonte Graham, like it could be a thing, and like you said, like we all thought that the Hornets were going to be terrible. Everybody thought that, um, and they're not good. But the way that De- Devonte Graham was playing at the beginning beginning of the year, everyone was like, "Oh, well, first of all, they're better than Detroit, so that's a little disheartening." And uh, even Miles Bridges was playing well. PJ Washington's playing well. Everybody was playing at a, a quality level, but Devonte Graham was taking them to sort of a different one. And Malik Monk. Um, he had the game winner against Detroit. And then the next night, I think it was against the Knicks or something like that. He's one of those guys who's, he's like Jetty Osmond where one night he'll give you like 21 on like seven of nine. And then the next night he'll give you four. He's just so inconsistent, but Devonte Graham's like that too, where his shot totals are just absolutely off the charts and his field goal percentage just sucks. Like Devonte Graham is really good sometimes, but when you're taking like 13 threes a night and hitting like four of them, I don't really know it just can't work. The, the most improved player of the year, and it's not even by a mile, it's Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram has, like, transcended his game in such a, a fascinating way where, like, the, the season begins and the NBA kind of shoots themselves in the foot a little bit because they – well, not accidentally. It was advertent. They schedule the Pelicans for all these nationally televised games, but Zion's missing for the first three months. He's out with an injury, so it's like, okay, well, who's going to be on the floor for this team? Well, Brandon Ingram luckily turned the Pelicans into a formidable product, something that people actually want to watch. Like, I have gone out of my way to watch Pelicans games because I want to see what Brandon Ingram is doing. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare, and he can pretty much do literally whatever he wants. And I know a lot of people have – it started off as a meme, but a lot of people think that Pascal Siakam should be in the conversation just because he got even better. Um, he's averaging 25-6-4 and four on 47% this season. Brandon Ingram has been absolutely exceptional. He's rightfully an all-star. I don't think anybody deserves the all-star nod this year more than Brandon Ingram does. And the fact that it's in the West is even crazier. Like, if he was in the East, duh. But in the West, you just kind of never know. Um, And I also think that he's probably going to be third-team All-NBA this season. Uh, Matthew, who do you have for your sixth man of the year? Sixth man of the year? Um, I do have, I guess, a stipulation behind this that – I, I think that the problem I have with the six man of the year award is that it's, there should be some sort of t- t- statistic to qualify someone, whether it's um, there's a cap on how many games you can start to qualify, or there's some sort of range on minutes that you're, you're allowed to play or a cap. Um, so I have Fred Van Vliet and our very own Derek Rose on this list for me. Um, 
I know they might not perfectly qualify because they've gotten a fair amount of starter minutes with um, some injuries uh, in, the, in the, is it the front or backcourt? Which one's the guards? The guards is that's, the backcourt. Backcourt. That's what I thought. Um, so backcourt injuries for both of those teams. Um, for the Pistons, obviously, Reggie Jackson missed quite a bit of time. Um, so I don't know that they'll necessarily qualify, but because they might be like an honorable mention six man of the year, I, I like to give them their credit and Derek Rose being my favorite player. I have to give them some credit there. This is, and I, I hate this award because like you said, I just don't really understand what goes into it. Cause it's like, yeah, in the rotation on paper, Lou Williams is coming off the bench, but when he's playing as many minutes, minutes as he is, it's like, it just feels weird to me. It just kind of feels like now I know how dumb this is going to sound, but it just kind of feels like he's like a sixth starter. He's just like another guy in the rotation, which I understand that's exactly what the award and the name of sixth man means, but it's, I don't know. So for me, Lou Williams is a sixth man and it's not even close because he's still, he has still has a pulse. And if he wins this year, he'll hold an NBA record for the most sixth man of the year awards on his, because he won one with Toronto, right? Did he win one in Houston? I don't believe so. So it's just three in LA and one in one in Toronto. So. If he wins this yeah. year. And then the other one is Montrez Harrell. And I think it's so weird to have two six man of the year candidates on the same team, but the Clippers have such tremendous depth, at least with those guys that they can actually get away with that. Montrez is averaging 18 and seven on 57% this year and can defend like three positions. So um, I think it's probably going to be either of them, but because like we were talking about, because there's kind of so much that goes into it and I don't really understand how they calculate it. I kind of hate talking about this award, um, also feels disingenuous to me to give it anybody that's not named. Give it to anybody that's not named uh, Lou Williams. For the next award, I feel like this is probably like we can talk about this for two seconds because we already know, and then we can move on. I actually probably won't even have to say mine because we're, we're going to have the same one. Uh, Matthew, who is your rookie of the year? It was John Moran, far and away. And it's not even close. Not even close. There's never like the last point guard who – had such a great rookie season, like a true point guard was probably Chris Paul. And was that, was that 2006? I think 2005. I think 2005, 2005. Right. Either way, it's been 15 years. It's been about 15 years since we've had a point guard and people will always say, well, Luca was really good as rookie year. Ben Simmons was really good as rookie year. Well, those guys aren't point guards. Like they can play the point, but when you can play three or four different positions, like no John Morant is a point guard. And uh, I've said this about a few guys coming up in the draft. And the more I think about it, I don't know if I actually believe it, but with John Morant, it's true. And it's, it's like, it's a hundred percent true. This guy makes a decision with the basketball seconds before it even happens. And I, I wish I had more fun watching the Grizzlies because I just don't. Um, they are like the, a, a perfect, a quintessential embodiment of what I enjoy watching with basketball. Like the way Valanciunas has been playing the way D'Anthony Melton has been playing John Morant. Um, and uh, did I say Dylan Brooks? I don't think I said Dylan Brooks. You did not. You did not. And Dylan Brooks. They're so fun to watch. But it's not that I don't have fun watching them because I don't like them. I, I do like them. And I recognize that they can be really good. And in the future, they're probably going to be really good. It's just, I don't know. I just don't have fun uh, whenever I watch the Grizzlies. I don't know. Um, Matthew, who is your coach of the year? Coach of the year, I have, just like the rest of the awards, I have a couple people listed here. Um, I have Tara Jenkins on there. I know we were just talking about the Grizzlies. I don't know that I necessarily have him winning the award. Um, Grizzlies, kind of like the Hornets, I thought they were going to be terrible this year. I know they had some promise with uh, the excitement behind John Morant coming into the league. 
Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been a solid acquisition for them in the, the draft the prior year. Um, Dylan Brooks and moving on from people like Conley and Gasol is a big decision, especially with um, what they had done for Memphis in, in their time there. Um, but they've, they've turned it around pretty quick, and they I don't know that they're a serious contender for anything this year, um, but definitely a team to look out for in the future. So Taylor Jenkins gets his credit there. So is Taylor um, Jenkins like your Eric Spolstra from like three years ago when the Heat were like 19 and 30 before the All-Star break, and then they won like 40 games in a row? And then they put Eric Spolster on the coach of the year conversation because they had such an insane turnaround in such a small amount of time. Just like out of respect, you want to put Taylor Jenkins there. I would say it is very much not the same as Spolstra, but it is out of a respect. Uh, thing. That's, in principle, like not the same thing, but just because of like, a, you know what, man, you did so good this year. Like, here's a nomination. Just exceeding expectations. Right. I mean, it's different with I know you weren't being like super specific with exactly how it happened, but with Spolstra, when you're at that point in the season and then you turn it up the way he did that's something that doesn't matter who you are. You don't do that in the NBA. Um, Taylor Jenkins, I mean, they've been, I have them, um, what are they? 28 and 26. They've been right around there all year. Um, but I, that's much better than anyone expected. They're sitting in the eighth spot right now in the West, which is very, very, and they've been there so, for like a month. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I mean, it's very much a respect thing. And my next pick or my next uh, candidate, I will say Billy Donovan sitting one spot in front of them. There's Boo. four games ahead of the Grizzlies. Boo. I thought the Thunder would be almost just as bad as the Grizzlies and the Hornets, and uh, good for them. They're 10 games above 500 right now. Um, Chris Paul has been fitting in very well with them. Um, Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, don't know why I can't say that. Gallinari's been solid for them. I. It's just such a weird thing that he's there I, I just always forget that he is it's just, in Oklahoma yeah. City yeah. and then you play like we played the Thunder the other night and had the trade deadline stuff not happened with him like maybe going to Miami I would have been like oh my gosh I forgot the Gallinari is in Oklahoma City yeah I, yeah so it was yeah I mean Billy Donovan I, another one where it's just respect I, I don't think that he's going to win necessarily especially not over someone like Taylor Jenkins um, I think that Taylor Jenkins deserves more respect from this perspective than maybe Billy Donovan does. Same, we just talked about him. Eric Spolster, I have in there. Just again, Miami Heat are having a spectacular year. Um, there's always that rumor or that that whatever that wherever Jimmy Butler goes, he's really just the cancer to his teams. I'm not the biggest Jimmy Butler. This fan, is a Jimmy but... Butler slander podcast. I've been. You can say it, Matthew. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't like Jimmy Butler. A lot of it starts with um, the Bulls and the way that. Uh, Derrick Rose. We don't have to go into all situation. of it. We could just agree know, that I Jimmy know, Butler but... stinks. But okay, you've said three coaches that you think deserve like a a, a tap respect tip of the cap. Give me your yes. like. This is actually who it's going to be. Budenholzer or Rogel? I mean, it's. It, I don't know how it can't be one of them. You want to know how? It I don't can know be? who, but ooh, I I don't know. Is it Malone? Doc Rivers? I, no, I'm never gonna. No, I'm not gonna credit Mike Malone. Uh, Nick Nurse. I was gonna put him on there, but. You want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, I guess I forgot that Kawhi's gone. I, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Everybody thought that the Toronto Raptors would just, for the for after winning the championship, they would just spend a few months basking in their own glory and then never do anything ever again. They're on pace to win more games this season than they did with Kawhi last season. And he, listen, Kawhi load managing his way, missing twenty games to a, to an NBA championship was absolutely exceptional. But they don't have to like. The Raptors are so good this year. 
they actually in it we mentioned taylor jenkins the month of january the coaches of the month for the western conference taylor jenkins and for the eastern conference Nick Nurse, because the Raptors tied their franchise record for the most wins inside of a single month. I think they were either 12-2 and two or 12-3, and three, and that 12th win came against the Detroit Pistons. The Raptors are better than they were last year. Not marginally, but they are better than they were. Pascal Siakam is a future perennial all-star. Uh, he's a pick-your-poison. He's going to kill you from anywhere he wants, and it's so annoying. Kyle Lowry's a six-time all-star. Fred Van Vliet's about to get paid. They keep finding these guys, and I don't know where. There's these random undrafted dudes, and the Raptors just make them so good. It's going to be Nick Nurse. I hope it's going to be Nick Nurse. Um, that's like my actual pick. Mike Budenholzer is right there. I don't think – listen, I feel like the Lakers would have had to win like 65 games for it to be Vogel. I feel like really? just – yeah, I just – why? Why would it be? Because he figured out how I mean, to can, like delegate Rondo off of the out of the rotation for for LeBron to miss the playoffs, something had to have happened for that to happen. Yeah, he got hurt and they didn't have any talent, right. and that's my point. So, I think no matter what the case was this year, the Lakers would be fine. They were going to make the playoffs. LeBron would be LeBron because last year was very much an anomaly. Not a hot take to say that it was a weird year. So, this year. It's, they cooled off a little bit. I know that when the Bucks and the Lakers are going neck and neck with who's going to have the best record by the end of the year, or the Bucks are um, on pace to win seventy one for games. a while. Yeah, so I mean, right now it's looking like the Bucks going off a record. I, I believe that the top five teams are probably um, Bucks, Raptors, Lakers, Clippers. Well, I was going to say the Nuggets, but I'm not going to say Just the don't. Nuggets. They could be. I'm they could be like seventy five and zero. I'd be like, I don't know about those Nuggets. I know. Yeah. So. Um, We'll see. I don't know. I, I really like the Nick Nurse pick. Um, I, I'll just throw him in there with Budenholzer, Vogel. I, I would say that if Nick Nurse won, I'd be very happy. So I'll, I'll say you should. Budenholzer, Nurse, Vogel are my top three. Okay, so that leaves Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Who is your Defensive Player of the Year? I hate to put this. I don't because... say it. I know you feel like you have to, Matthew, but you, I'm going to give you a chance to second guess it. Don't say it. All right, well, I'll just go with Pascal Siakam. Why not? What? Okay, I'm going okay, back to so your first, first option. Who are you going to say? <laughs> so, I was going to say Rudy Gobert. Okay, roll with that. Because <laughs> I yeah, knew that's what you were going to say. Tell me so why I you was, think Rudy Gobert should win Defensive Player of the Year. I was kidding when I said Pascal. Okay. But I do have him listed <laughs> under that award because Rudy Gobert, I'm statistically one of the best defensive players in the NBA, if not the best. Yes. Um, and significantly, but just watching him is not, it's, it's weird. If you watch him, he's not. So it's, I don't want to put him there, but he's already won it in the past. There's nothing to say that when he's having the same amount of success on the defensive end of the floor as the years that he won, he's probably going to win again, especially when no one is super competing there. But someone like I have in parentheses here, Pascal Siakam, Drew Holiday, Ben Simmons, and Anthony Davis, because they are having solid defensive seasons. And then I even have someone like Hassan Whiteside on there. I really don't think that he would win or should win, statistically at least, having a solid uh, defensive season. I hate to say it. I know we just moved on from him, and so it's a little bit sad. But Andre Drummond, I don't know that he's He's not in the same paradigm as Rudy He's he's not. It's not even No, I know, and it's – 
that's the that, that's the thing that sucks about this award. I mean, it's going to be Rudy Gobert. I don't like it, but I don't unless you're going to say a name that surprises me again. I, think, I just don't see another person winning. Yeah, I think here's the problem: is your with all of these awards, you're thinking of players who are good or coaches that are good, but not the ones who are great and actually deserve the award. So, like throwing Hassan Whiteside in there, or even Pascal Siakam, or even Andre Drummond, like. Rudy Gobert is probably going to be it. And I think it's going to be Rudy Gobert, but that's not who my pick is. But I think it probably will be Rudy Gobert because this award notoriously goes to the best rim protector, right? Right. Like that's, right. that's usually what it is. The last well, two part years of... was Rudy yeah. Gobert. The year before that, and this is off the top of my head, so I may be a little bit off with this. It was Rudy Gobert twice. A Draymond won. He should have won like back-to-back. I think Kawhi stole one from him. Kawhi went back-to-back. Joakim had one. Marcus All. Tyson Chandler, then Dwight Howard won like a hundred in a row. So with, with the exception of Kawhi and Draymond, like it's a bunch of, you know, big men just protecting the rim. Like that's what the award is for. So I think it probably will be uh, Rudy Gobert. Cause he's top 10 in rebounds. He's top five in blocks. I actually think it should be Giannis. I, okay. I was thinking about putting him on there. I just couldn't. It just felt weird. And I, I, yeah. I promise I was actually going – I was considering him. You you said Ben Simmons. That actually is a – that's a great pick. Right. And I, I don't think you're wrong. I think it could be Ben Simmons. But my thing with Giannis is he can defend five positions. Rudy Gobert cannot do that. There is not no. – how many players in the league can guard five positions? Few. A few. And I, Anthony, I think you said Anthony Davis was on your list too. Another quality pick. Um, I think it's going to be Giannis uh, just because, A, he again, he can defend all five positions. B, the Bucks lead the league in defensive efficiency, not quite by a wide margin, but relative to like two through 30 and the disparity between each number there. Yes, one through two is, again, relative to the other numbers. It's a wide margin. Bucks lead the league in defensive efficiency, and they have the highest point differential in the history of basketball which is done on both ends of the floor, which actually is going to lead into the next category. But also defensively, Giannis is the best defender in basketball. Uh, Maybe not the best. Well, yeah, he's pretty close. Who is your MVP? I have Giannis. It's Giannis. What are we talking about? His his numbers are better than they were last year. The Bucs are even better than they were. The same stats that I just mentioned. Like Giannis is... It's so terrifying, and we all say the same things about him. Once he lands a consistent perimeter shot, it's going to be over for the rest of the world, and we all thought that was going to be a few years from now, and it's already here. Giannis, the joke that I made in one of my recaps was, there is not a single player on earth who covers more space in two steps than Giannis. I think the joke I made was... Sorry. Oh, okay. I thought that was the joke. No, no, no. no. That's, that's a terrible joke. The joke I made was he he covers more space in two steps than Neil Armstrong. Oh. How was that? Not great. I didn't get too many laughs on that. People were just like, yeah, great recap. And nobody was like, I like that joke. I don't like that It's just joke. kind of a bummer. And the Bucks are the best team in basketball. And it's, again, it's not close. And I, I do have. Go ahead. I do have, I do have LeBron as. He's, kind of honorary he's second place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's just how his career goes. So I, I have Giannis winning, LeBron in second. I think my thing with, with LeBron is he's there's never been a player in ever in the history of the NBA that can kind of flip a switch 
and decide what they want to do today. LeBron can either say, I'm going to be the, the scorer today. No, today I'm going to dish 12 assists. Today, well, I don't want to say he turns it on defensively because more often than not, he doesn't. But LeBron is at a point in his career where it's kind of like he wants to choose like on a daily basis whatever he's going to do, and he's, he can do it at such a high level. So I think that's sort of like his versatility is insane, and it's at a point where even Giannis isn't quite there yet. And honestly, I don't know if there's anybody ever like that has literally ever lived that has been as versatile as LeBron is. And I think I've said this before. I don't. I think by the time LeBron retires, by the time the duo of LeBron and Anthony Davis break up, I don't think LeBron. I, I think, I think LeBron will have more assists to Anthony Davis than he will have to any other teammate he's ever played with ever. I believe I've heard that before. Yeah, it's not an original know. take. Yeah. No, but I agree. I mean, I don't think that's like ridiculous to say. There's no reason why that shouldn't be the case. I mean, barring any catastrophic injuries, no reason why that shouldn't be the case. So who would you say, what is your finals prediction? I don't know. And I, I had said this before. I don't know if you'll remember this, but I would said this for a few years. And it was even when Dwayne Casey was the coach of the Raptors that, I would never, ever take the Raptors seriously until they prove me wrong. They could, And it's kind of like what you said about the Nuggets. They could be 75-0, and 0 and you're like, I just don't believe it. The Rockets are almost like that team right now, too. The Raptors are past that point. They've proven they can do it. If they do it again, good for them. The Bucks are kind of that team for me right now, too, where they are like, yeah, they're going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. But until they do it, I don't – I'm not going to say that they can do it. Can I introduce so, a counterpoint to that? Of course. I think it's because you haven't watched them. I do watch them come playoff time. No, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. I, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, like, even just going off of whether you're going on paper, whether you're going off of literally just the playoffs, there are certain teams where they just kind of seem to have it. Bear with me on this. A lot of it has to do with even just saying, like, the Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions. It's because they're a small market Seeing team. The, it's, the not an, it's not an attractive market. I know. And in between the name, the colors, and everything, Cold if and the wet. Bucks win, completely happy. I can five bazillion percent see Giannis wearing, having the confetti all over him, the hat, the shirt, the trophy, and everything. I can see that. So that's that's the one thing that um, the Bucks do have going for them, and they're a fantastic team. Um, they're more than fantastic. They're the best team in basketball. The leap that Dante DiVincenzo has taken this year is yeah. is unexplainable. And I was like mm-hmm. coming into the season, everyone's oh my, because oh Dante DiVincenzo, he's he's going to be so good this year. I didn't get it. I was like, I don't understand where this hype is coming from. He was fine last year, and I was the first person to put a hand up and be like, I was wrong. Dante DiVincenzo is insane. He was giving Marcus Smart buckets like a month ago, one of the NBA's best on-ball defenders, and that was my moment where I was like, shut it down. Dante DiVincenzo was real. Yeah, I, I did think it was a meme for a while as well. Um, I really I don't want to be lame. I just – Bucks Lakers, I don't know. I mean, I mean yeah, that's probably true. But you did mention that the Rockets are kind of one of those teams where you just don't buy it. You shouldn't. I don't know why I you know, would. I know. I, I know. I agree. Like it, this whole, they don't have a center 
and then they go out and they beat <laughs> they the Lakers. They got P.J. Tucker. What are you talking about? Okay, I'm sorry, Matthew. You're right. They have P.J. Tucker as their center. They have a guy who's six six as their center, and they go out and they beat the because everyone's making fun of them like small ball's not going to work. And then they go out and they beat the Lakers and all the Rockets mm-hmm. fans in the world. Oh, you guys jumped the gun on that. They lost to the Phoenix Suns by 35 the next night. Yep. And my thing with yep. the Rockets, I actually I was going to spend a little bit of time elaborating on this in a, in a future episode. You probably don't know this as much because I don't think you listen to anything that I say. But I'm obsessed with Daryl Morey. I think Daryl Morey is a genius. Uh, his and I've, I've I've regurgitated this exact same sentence. The way that he figured out a, a, a unique algor- algorithm to win basketball games, I'm obsessed with it. Here's my thing, my little theory. If anybody can figure out how to make this work, it's probably Daryl Morey. And I know that he's not the one calling X's and O's, but I just feel like if there's anybody who can find out a new algorithm to win even more basketball games. Wouldn't it be Daryl Morey? And right now, it's not a good look at all. The Rockets look like idiots. They look really stupid. But it just feels like even, you know, when you look at the... Now, it's different if you're using the three-pointer, like the Morey ball analogy where it's three-pointers and and free-throw attempts. It's different because that's black and white. That's right in front of you. Okay, well, now we have a better chance to score more points. But unlike, there has to be like a, a deeper rooted meaning to playing like the smallest small ball in the history of the of the world. I just feel like if it's going to work, it would probably be under Daryl Morey. I don't hate that. I mean, I mean, the way that he was able to take exactly the Rockets' play style to the heights that it's done at, it really says something. Because, I mean, we kind of thought that the Warriors were the tippy-top of what we're going to get from um, how people are able to shoot the three ball. Um, and then the Rockets come in and do what they've been doing for the past few years. Um, and I mean, like you said, Maury has a lot to do with that. So I really don't, if they win more regular season games as a result of any of this, good for them. I really don't care. Like we've been talking about until they do it. I'm not going to believe it. They choked it away last season. So I, I just don't have any faith in them. Well, as it stands, they'd play the jazz. The jazz are bodying them, right? I don't see how they wouldn't, yeah. I mean, maybe not body, but it's going six or seven. And right now, Houston, I I believe, would have home court advantage. So then I'm kind of like, okay, it's probably going seven. But I just, like, how how does P.J. Tucker bang with Rudy Gobert? And I'm not going to say say that Rudy Gobert is like the, you know, he's not this offensive uh, dominant force, but he's still like six inches taller than P.J. Tucker. And I think like four inches taller than Rudy Go or than uh, than Robert Covington. So I, I don't really know how that's supposed to work. And like none of this is really new. Everybody's been kind of saying the same stuff. But it is so unbelievably funny to me how dumb Daryl Morey is. But also I love him, and I'm worried, really, really worried that my friend's going to get fired. I don't want him to get fired because I also don't think that. If he, I think if he does get fired, I don't think he's going to keep a job in basketball. I think he'd do something else. I think Bill Simmons said that same thing. What would he do instead? I don't know. Make a bunch of money somewhere. He's a genius. Why not? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah. All right. Matthew, I will now give you an opportunity to plug your podcast and or whatever else you want. 
So the Brain Trust podcast started about a month ago now. Um, We release episodes. We try to do every Tuesday. This is the first week that um, we had to delay it a day um, due to some technical difficulties. I actually noticed that. I was going to text you and say, hey, where's the Brain Trust? Yep. Yeah, so Brain Trust, it's it's meant to drop every Tuesday. Um, Technically, I edit it every Monday night. So as soon as I'm done, drop it. So Monday night. Tuesday, if you'd rather listen then. Um, we, if you listen to the pilot episode, that'll actually really help you get a better gauge of what we're all about. Um, it's sports, it's music, it's movies, it's culture, it's anything and everything that comes to mind. That, that's, that's the idea behind a brain trust, at least from my perspective of it. Um, kind of, if it comes to your mind, you're more than welcome to say it and put it out there. There's nothing that's really off limits. So Yeah, no kidding. Let me tell you something, folks. Some of these takes are bananas. Oh, yeah, and that's that's part of where I get frustrated, you know, when it comes to talking sports specifically. Um, I came on here. I, I'm trying to be very transparent about the casualness of my fandom for the NBA. Um, I'm a football guy through and through. The NFL is uh, my league. Football is my sport. Um, so when we talk about sports on the Brain Trust podcast, it is passionate – casualness so um kind of got to take everything that gets said with a grain of salt it's really just meant to entertain you um it's not meant to meant to analyze anything or bring anything that's supposed to like you know change the way you see things but i mean it is supposed to be a little bit of different perspective um it's not going back and forth saying i'm right you're wrong um just good conversations about anything and everything that comes to mind um i haven't necessarily said this publicly but my thing behind the podcast is uh, it's not for everyone, but it is for anyone. So love sports, hate sports, love movies, hate movies, however you feel. Um, there should be something about the Brain Trust podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, that you'd like. All right. Now, generally, I feel like if you're doing an ad read, like the one I do at the beginning of my episodes, it's like 30 seconds. This is like a minute and a half. So maybe maybe let's cut down on the pitch a little bit there, Matthew. Not you. Said that I was. I all right, Oh, another thing. If anybody, um, which first of all, as is customary, if you made it to the end of this episode, thank you very, very much. Um, it means a lot to both Matthew and I. If you have ever wondered, and a lot of people have, where all of my graphic design stuff comes from, well, you just you just uh, heard a conversation from him. It's Matthew. So all of your graphic design needs will not go uncommissioned <laughs> if you contact Matthew, and he charges great rates to be determined. Uh, TBD means pretty much free. Pretty I, I much like free, just... as, unless he's really, really busy. Yes, unless I'm really, really busy, which right now I'm in a little bit of a busy period. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love to do the design stuff. Um, like Nick said, I, I've been doing everything for him. Um, he has given me credit. In, in the beginning, I used to kind of ask for it because I got excited about it, but um, I, I don't necessarily need it. So I, I've had people reach out before um, to Nick about his design stuff and then when and he says just, that it's me yeah they don't they, they don't ask. they don't come to me so if, if you ever need help if you ever have questions i'm more than happy to ask or ask answer and, and see what we can do um i'm not super active on twitter so i'm not going to plug my twitter um the only time that i really say anything is during the lion season when well I'm, it's not plugged but it's going to be attached to the tweet that goes out so nice so you can see it there yeah that's all i got all righty, folks, if you made it this far, once again, thank you very, very much, and I will catch you guys in the next one.